man, I'm tired. I I don't know about anybody else, but I'm tired. Glory be to God. You know, it was one of those things. I have to share this with you because I also shared this with um, the class on Sunday, with my class on Sunday, was I remember a time when, you know, when we were doing the teacher's class and pastor was giving us uh, instructions on things and different things. And he told us, you know, when the Lord speaks to you that no matter what time it is, you really need to kind of sit up and pay attention. Years and years ago, uh, and I don't even know how long it's been, but it's been a long time, a teaching came to me in the middle of the night, and it was beautiful. It was wonderful. You know, examples, scriptures, I mean, it flowed like water. I was like, oh, this is good. And I said, I'll remember it in the morning. (laughs) To this day, I have not remembered not one word of that teaching. Not a word, not a scripture. And I mean, guys, it was good. That part I do remember, that it was just great. And it flowed within like a 10-minute period. Like, woohoo! I was like, this is so good, I know I'm going to remember it. I didn't remember a word. Well, the same thing happened with this particular portion of the teaching. On Monday night, about 3 o'clock, it started rolling. So I've learned. So the lesson that I learned from that other one is when the Lord speaks, write it down. So I woke up. I turned on the light. I wrote it down, thinking that was it. I turned off the light. I turned over. No, we had more to say. I woke up, I turned on the light, I wrote it down. And I was like, I finally got the hint and said, okay, are you done? You know, and then finally it was like, okay, we're done. So I turned off the light, I went to bed, and the next morning I woke up, and the teaching rolled. This portion of it anyway, because I already have, if you notice, there's a part one and there will be a part two. Part two I wrote before part one, actually. Part one came Monday night. (laughs) <laughs> part one came Monday night after I called Mr. Keith and go, hey, you got anything in the hopper? Because I wasn't well. I had food poisoning on Sunday. So I wasn't well. So I called Mr. Keith. I said, Mr. Keith, you got anything in the hopper? He goes, I got bits and pieces, but I don't have anything ready to go by Wednesday. I said, then you need to pray for me. He goes, okay, I'm in agreement that you're well. <laughs> so Monday night. Monday night, I got well. Glory be to God, I got well. Monday night. And I was ready and raring to go on Tuesday. Well, of course, you know, and you know, after you have food poisoning, at least I think so, you should keep a bland diet, but no, not me. Um, So today, I decided I wanted a hamburger and french fries. (laughs) So about halfway through said hamburger and french fries, I was like, oh, Lord, this is not sitting well. I was like, but you got to go to church. You got to teach you to do. So you need to stop with the foolishness. If you need to lay down a minute, then lay down a minute and get yourself together. But you got something to do. Amen. The Lord is giving you something to do and something to say. Glory be to God. If you notice by the title of this, it says, what did you mix with this? You know, and for most of you who know me and, and like a lot of the ladies and even the gentlemen sitting in here, most of you are cooks. You've cooked or made something. And people have said, would you mix with that? And they've either got a good look on their face or a bad look on their face. It depends. Sometimes it's like, wow, would you mix with that? So that they're like really excited about it. And then other times it's like, would you, would you mix with that? And the kitchen disaster that I remember the most is my cornbread disaster. I was making cornbread and I didn't have and I wasn't I wasn't making it from scratch okay let's get that out the way I have made it from scratch but this wasn't scratch this was Jiffy Jiffy calls for um, vegetable oil is what it calls for I didn't have any but I had olive oil (laughs) I had olive oil I figure, how bad could it be? It's olive oil. Olives are vegetables, aren't they? Well, maybe not, but it doesn't matter. It's still 
you know, that oil consistency, right? I mix it up and put it in the pan, put it in the oven. I'm waiting for the cornbread. It comes out. It looks fine. See, this is the key. It looks fine. It looks like cornbread. And I got my plate and I'm ready and I cut me a piece. I got me some melted butter and I'm ready to rock until I cut it. First of all, it wasn't as high. You know, it didn't rise as much. But I'm okay with the not rising piece that, you know, I'm good. I'm still good. It wasn't until I put it in my mouth that I realized you can't substitute olive oil for vegetable oil. When they call for vegetable oil, that's what they mean. Put some vegetable oil in it, right? So that was one of those, what you mix with that? Amen? And people have done, you know, we've done that. Everybody has. It's like, well, I don't have this, but I have this. It's similar. You know, some things just shouldn't be mixed together. We just should not mix certain things together. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, is we're going to talk about what we can and cannot mix together. But first of all, I want to talk about some terms. I want to talk about some terms. Can't or cannot is the first term we're going to talk about. To be unable to do otherwise then, and then I have a question mark at the end. And that question mark means then what? Add what? That we would to be unable to do otherwise than whatever. This can and cannot, or can't and cannot, it's actually a physical term. How many of you remember Joan Rivers? Can we talk? Why that joke is funny is because the can means physically can you talk? She's at, and that's why most people will say, I don't know, can you? They're asking, can you talk? The question should have been, may we talk, asking permission. But the can or can't is what you can or cannot do physically. God can't lie. If you go to Numbers 23:19, it tells us what God cannot do. It says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man, that he should repent. Has he said, and he will not do, or has he spoken, and he will not make it good? So, first of all, we know that God can't lie. It is physically impossible for God to lie. So anything that he says in his word is then true, that he has said. Because physically he cannot lie. Repent. You know, and when we think of repent, you know, it's when we think in terms of ourselves, how we repent. But this repent is something different. And I'll read it to you. The repenting which God cannot do is that of changing his mind concerning promises made to the righteous. I really like that. I really like that. So this says that God cannot physically change his mind about any promise that he has made to the righteous. Amen. Amen. I mean, I was like, all right now, all right now. So if you are righteous, and righteous means in right standing with God. So if you are in right standing with God, any promise he has made to you, he's not going to change his mind about. Just because you may act up on occasion he's not going to change it the promise is still going to be there for you he will not and cannot fail to meet his obligations he cannot say no to one and yes to another who he who claims his promise if both are righteous and meeting the terms of covenants, he has laid down as a basis of, be- of blessing. And the key here is and meeting the terms of covenant. We need to meet the terms of covenant. And it's a real easy covenant. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? 
There you have it. There's the covenant. That's what puts us in covenant. God cannot lie. He cannot repent. And he cannot change his character because it is unchangeable. And he will absolutely keep his word either in terms of blessings or curses. Now, that's the one that always gets us. You know, we always want the blessings. Yay, blessings. But there's some curses up in there, too. And he can't change either one of those things because his character is unchangeable. God is like the ultimate fair person when you think of fairness. You know, because sometimes we think of fairness. But, you know, we as humans, I don't know that we can be fair. We can't be fair because we can always come up with, well, maybe, okay, We'll we'll change that. We'll accept that. It's okay. God's not like that. While it may break his heart to to have that happen to you because he loves you, it's it's got a role. It has to happen because his character is unchangeable. God is unchangeable. So we now know that we've got the can't or cannot, to be unable to do otherwise than. May or may not is the next term we're going to deal with. Have permission or liberty to. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's a permission word. Is there permission whom he may devour? What door? What gave him that permission slip? You know, because when your kids go on a trip or something like that, you know, there's a permission. You're giving your permission to have your child go with this person to this place for these hours uh, to do this activity. It's the same thing. It says he is looking and seeking whom he may devour. So permission. Did we give permission? We need to be mindful of that. The other term I want us to talk about is faith. A firm conviction producing a full acknowledgement of God's revelation or truth. A personal surrender to him and a conduct inspired by such a surrender. If we look at Hebrews 11.6, and 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we need faith to please him. We know that God was always moved by faith. Jesus was moved by faith. He would say many times, I have seen no such greater faith. So faith was things that would move Jesus. So if it moved Jesus, then it moves God. Amen. So faith is a necessary thing that we must have before that we can get anything done is to have faith that he mu- we must believe that he is, that God is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? So those three terms keep in mind. This week, we're going to deal with what we can't mix our faith with. All right? Because we have faith. And there are things that we can mix faith with. With We may mix faith with, but there are things we can't mix faith with. And it's important to know what they are, because if we mix our faith with them, God does not recognize it. It's like the incense of old. That was a certain mix. He told them how to make the incense of old, what to put in the censer. And when he smelled it, he recognized, he went, oh, okay, I recognize 
that smell. And when Cora and his boys got together and they tried to do the same thing, God was like, what did they put in that thing? And then the earth opened and the boys fell in and a whole bunch of people fell in. Amen. So what we can't mix with our faith to begin with is doubt. We cannot mix doubt with our faith because Hebrew says right here, you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. We can't doubt who he is. The Greek word is diakrino, which means to hesitate, doubt, and be at variance with oneself. Matthew twenty-one twenty-one says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Mark 11.23 says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Whatever he says, we cannot mix doubt with our faith. We can't sit there and say, I have faith, but this is too big. I have faith, but I've never seen this done over here. I have faith, but, all right, that doubt wipes out our faith. James 1, 5 through 8 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7 says, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So even though you might say, I have faith, but I have doubt, verse 8 says you're unstable in all. You know, we, get, we like the good alls. You know, God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Yay. Stand up, clap. Yay. But this says he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you mix doubt with your faith, one must know beyond all doubt or hesitation in his mind that what he allows is in perfect accord with the word of God. What you allow in is in perfect accord with the word of God. You know, it goes back to leaven. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole loaf. You know, so when you let a little thing in, it will leaven your whole loaf. It will leaven your entire faith because what it starts to do it starts to eat away at your faith when those doubts come in you know you may doubt over here and then you know you're like "Eh, well you know that's a little thing over here it's not a very big thing but then you can't go to that very big thing where God may be wanting to take you you know people be you know sometimes with sickness and everything. You know, people sometimes don't have faith for a cold, but they want to try to have faith for cancer. You know, you, you can't make that leap. You just can't. You know, I, I recently, and it's, I don't know when it started, to be honest with you, but I've had this, this noise in my ears for months. And, <clears throat> and, you know, I prayed about it. You know, I had laid hands on myself and, and all this other stuff. And I'm going to be real honest with you guys. But then I began to run around looking for stuff. I tried this. I tried that. I did this. I did that. 
And I don't know, I don't know what pastor was teaching on, but all of a sudden it came over me was that you're, you're not believing this. You're not standing in faith. You're running around trying this, trying that. That's not God. You need to find out what God is saying that you need to do here and do that. So I put all the, the all this stuff. I bought, I can't tell you how much stuff I bought. If they said it helped the ringing in the ears, I went and got it. If they said clean your ears, I cleaned them twice. You know? <laughs> I cleaned them with all kinds of stuff. And I was just, I was like, you are all over the place. I was mixing doubt with my faith. Doubting that God was really going to fix this ringing, you know. And I said, you know what? We stopping all the madness right now. Lord, you've healed me. I know you have. If you want me to do something more than that, you'll have to tell it to me again. Because the rest of this stuff is all sitting on the, on the medicine cabinet. And I look at it every time I go in the bathroom. I go, this is crazy. This is crazy. But that's what we do. And we can't do that. We can't mix doubt with our faith. The next thing we can't mix with our faith is fear. And this is a big one. This is a big one. Fear, in this case, we are talking about types of fears that distress us. Because there are a lot of places in the word of God that says, fear God. You know? And that used to always like, I go, but it says, don't fear. But then it says, fear God over here. Where, what are we talking about? The difference is fears that distress us. Death. The future, danger, evil, enemies, punishment, or a spirit of fear. Those are the fears that we cannot mix with our faith. Because the word says that perfect love cast out all fear. And God is perfect love. Amen? He is perfect love. So he's got to cast out all fear. So we can't then put our faith and then go, oh, Lord, I'm so scared. I'm so afraid. No. No. We have to get that. If it distresses us in any way, shape, or form, does not bring us peace, then that's something we are mixing with our faith. Proverbs 29:25 says the fear of man brings a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. So we've got to put our trust in the Lord. Again, he is who he says he is. Will do what he says he do and his character is unchanging whether it's me, you, Anybody but of the righteous, of the righteous, those in right standing with God. Amen? Amen. If we go to Job, now, you know, we all know the story of Job and what happened. You know, Job had all this stuff. You know, and Job was making sacrifices. So let's go there. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. Excuse me. And that man was blameless and upright and one who feared God. See, there's that feared God. You know, I went like feared God. But, you know, that's, that's not the distressing kind of fear that we're talking about here. But he feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also, his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys and a very large household so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. So Job had stuff. He had stuff. He had sons and daughters and he had stuff. And his sons would go and feast in their houses each on his appointed day and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. 
The key here, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, so I'm going to sacrifice just in case. That's mixing faith with stuff that can't be mixed. We find later in Job 3.25 exactly what he mixed. It says in 3.25, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Those are two very distressed words, feared and dreaded. That opened the door for stuff to come in. And that's what happens. When we mix our faith with fear, we open the door. This is the permission that we're giving for stuff to come in, and that's what happened with Job. And in Job 4.14, he really says it, Fear came upon me and trembling, which made all my bones shake. He was scared to death. When you are afraid, you cannot be in faith because it takes away your acknowledgement of who God is and what he is able to do. Because this fear, you're saying, is bigger than your God. That what has happened that popped the fear is bigger. Because fear is generated by something happening. And that happening, is you're saying, is greater than my God. Not to say that, you know, when you're driving down the road and you almost hit something or somebody almost hits you and you have that momentary like that, that there's something wrong. No, that's a physical reaction. It's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, as he said, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. All right. So Job had an issue with fear. And I put these references on mine outline, um, and I didn't put them in yours, but I'll give them to you. Luke 8, 41 and 42 says, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. 42, it says, For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. So we've got a daughter who's dying, death, fear, distress. We go to 49, because in the middle of all that is the woman with the issue of blood. And so this takes a minute, you know, because we get to a point where, you know, Jesus, you know, she tells Jesus the entire, what is it, 12-year story about how she had this issue of blood. But when we get to 9, it says, while he was, 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house saying to him, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. She's dead. But when Jesus heard it, he answered saying, do not be afraid. Only believe and she will be made well. We can't mix fear with faith. It totally it will totally cast it out you don't you might as well say lord i have no faith i'm scared senseless he'll 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 understand that better than you trying to say i'm in faith you know he he's he not gonna understand that you are better off going lord help my unbelief you know you are better off being that honest and upfront. Because really and truly who you're being honest and upfront is with yourself. Because he already knows. So you're basically opening yourself up to receive truth at that point. Which you need because you are scared senseless either about death, you know, the future. You know, if any, you know, I, I retired early. You know, and I was like, Lord, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get me another job because, you know, I want to, I want to do this. I want to do that. So I'm going to get me another job. Well, it hasn't been that easy. 
getting that other job. And some days I'm just like amazed at that. I mean, I can't imagine the qualifications you need to answer a telephone. Because sometimes that's all I really want to do. You know, I don't want anything too, 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 too mind consuming. Like I told somebody, I've had the big chair. I don't want the big chair. They don't have to worry about me coming into their place of business and taking the big chair. Don't want it. I just want to answer the phone. And they go, you're not qualified to answer the phone. What? How is that possible? I said, I will file the papers. You're not qualified to file the paper. What? I know the alphabet. Come on. I can recite it. I might even do it backwards if you give me a minute. But what do you mean? So there have been times where my future has distressed me a little bit. And I have to remember that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? Amen. I have to remember that. I have to remember that he is a provider. Glory be to God. He's a provider. He provided the ability for me to retire early from FedEx. He's going to provide that job where I can answer the phone. I don't even mind having to get up early and go answer the phone. I just don't want to ride in the king of pressure to answer the phone. You know, I just can't do that drive anymore, you know. Amen. But you'd be amazed. I I interviewed with uh, a company, and they said, we don't want to insult you. Insult me. Come on, bring it on. Let's talk about this. They said, oh, what we have to offer will be insulting. Let let me be the judge of that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) But I I just find it truly, truly amazing. But sometimes my future... Can, can, you know, when I think about the future, I, you know, cause, you know, everybody talks about, you know, your car is not gonna last forever, and, you know, and all this other stuff, and health benefits go up, and oh my goodness, get away from me. Why don't you? You know, I, I need some people that are gonna speak some life. I don't need you telling me what, you know, all of that stuff. Amen? Amen. So that's when, you know, you get to the word. And I'm like, Lord, no, you are my provider. And you said that you will provide for me. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. You said that you have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. So, I, you know, it is not going to happen. And like I tell people, do it look like I missed a meal? Nope. So I'm good. <laughs> if I come in here gaunt and all this other stuff, y'all might need to talk to me. But other than that, I don't look like I missed a meal. Glory be to God. But I, I, I can't get distressed that way about the future. We can't get distressed about enemies. Because like I told the congregation on Sunday, baby, they can't eat you. I still remember that from Marty. They enemies, they're under your feet. He said that's where they were. Jesus put them under his. You are him. They're under yours. They may look like roaring lions, blowing smoke, looking like they're all fierce and everything, but they're not. They're defeated by Jesus Christ on our behalf. Amen. It says he put all of those things under. Glory be to God. There's one enemy left. There's one left. That's it. So don't get in to fear through the enemies. Amen. Amen. The third thing, oh gosh, the third thing we can't mix with it is our own way. You know, because <laughs> we all got a way. I can give you a way to do something. That was my job. And, you know, sometimes when folks didn't do it my way, my nose has a tendency to get out of joint. Ministry will help you with that. <laughs> Ministry will help you with that. Because, you know what? Other folks have their own way of doing stuff too. 
So unless you like going to be a dictator, then you need to step back sometimes and let them roll with it and see how it goes. Sometimes it goes really, really well. Sometimes it doesn't. But when it doesn't, you just learn from it. Like I used to ask my godson all the time, what did we learn from this? And he would go, oh, no, here we go. I go, no, we need to find out because I need to know what you learned from this so that this doesn't happen again. So we can't mix our faith with our own way. Isaiah 55, 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are higher. You know, you know we pray to God about some things. And the answer comes, and it doesn't quite look the way we thought it should look, doesn't quite sound the way we thought it should sound. And sometimes we miss that the answer has come because it isn't in the package we were expecting. We can't mix our faith with our own way. It's the same thing pastor talks about sometimes when you have guest ministers or people to lay hands on you. You know, some people only want the pastor to lay hands on them. You know, you sick and, you know, pastor goes, okay, come up if you sick. Okay, somebody in the congregation that he knows is a warrior, you know, a prayer warrior has the healing anointing on them, says, okay, lay hands. And you're like, whoa, no. All right, stay sick then. Stay sick. You can't mix faith with your own way. I remember one time being in the congregation. I was sick, and and it was like, and they were calling for something. And I said, I'm going up there. Because at first I was standing there. I was like, oh, I'm not going up there. I'm not going up there. And something said, well, then stay hurt. I was like, oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. We can't mix our own way with things. We've got a number of people in the word of God who mix their own ways with stuff. And we know what happened there. Amen. Because his ways are higher than ours, we cannot mix our ways with our God kind of faith and expect his results. He wants us to mix his ways with his kind of faith, meaning that we have the God kind of faith to get the promises he has for us. It's not to say that you won't get some things because we've got an example. I've got an example for you tonight that, that did get some, but he didn't get the fullness. And we should want the fullness of what God has for us. We shouldn't want, you know, that little drizzle. We should just want to get soaked with the things that God has for us. Amen? Because the absolute things that God has for us is the absolute awesome best. Amen? I mean, because he's got it all. He created it all. Microsoft can say what they want, but that's God's stuff. They just pulled it all together. They just pulled it all together. There was nothing new. They just put it in a new package. And Mr. Lamar taught me that. He taught me that. And I sat there like, oh, my God, because we think all this stuff is new. The word says there's nothing new under the sun. They're just grabbing it and putting it in a different usage. Well, guess where they're getting it from? He's got it, and he's got it for us. Amen? Amen. We can't be inconsistent. We can't mix inconsistent with our faith. Romans 14.23 in the message says, But if you're not sure, if you notice that you are acting in ways inconsistent with what you believe, some days trying to impose your opinions on others, other days just trying to please them, then you know that you're out of line. If the way you live isn't consistent with what you believe, then it's wrong. (laughs) And if you look at it in the New King James, it says, for whatever is not from faith is sin. We can't mix inconsistency with our faith. And my example on that is Samson. Samson was inconsistent. 
throughout the whole time. You know, and and the scripture that and I and again, you know, like I said, I got some things in my outline that I didn't put in yours, but I want to share Judges thirteen five. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay. Nazarite. The Nazarite vow had four parts. And in Numbers 7, 1 through 11, you find the four parts of the Nazarite vow. And the one that I wanted, the the one that I want to kind of focus on talks about not being around anything dead. Anything dead dead people animals or anything that was dead and what does samson do is he kills a lion with his bare hands then he comes back and he finds honey in the carcass he eats it and he gives it to his folks and doesn't tell them all right Now, it says what should happen with the Nazarite vow if you do come in contact with something dead. He was at that point in time supposed to shave his head, cleanse himself, start all over again. But he doesn't do that. He knows the vow. His parents know the vow. He doesn't tell them, I killed the lion with my hand, and then I ate the honey out the carcass, and I gave some to y'all. He was inconsistent. But... The power of God still moved on Samson. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that loves us, who is willing. Samson, you know, he got that little trickle, and that little trickle brought those columns down. So God's little trickle is pretty special. It's pretty special. But how about the whole shooting match? Wow. Wouldn't that be spectacular? Amen? Amen. To have that in our lives. We can't be consistent. The last thing is pride. We cannot mix pride with our faith. We can't. Proverbs sixteen eighteen said, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We can't mix that one because it also says in James, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, this is James 4, 6. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That resist there is is a military term. I mean, you know, it talks about God and what he did with like a finger and a hand. All of heaven against you? Come on. Come on. We can't mix pride with our faith. Because pride will keep you from hearing and going to God. Oh, I got this. (laughs) How many times has the situation come up and you go, I got this. I did this before. I know what God told me to do before. I I got this. I say go to God for everything. And if God don't say do something different, then go, okay, we're going to do what we did the last time. Amen? But go to God with everything. God will resist the proud. When you say you don't need him, guess what? He's going to say, okay. He's not going to force you to do it his way. That's the great thing about choice. You know, people talk about, you know, choice. God is a God of choice. Don't get it twisted. He tells you, choose you this day. Life or death is in the power of the tongue. He talks about choices all the time. He wanted us to choose Jesus Christ as our Savior. He goes, I'm sending him for the world. And Pastor talked about this on Resurrection Sunday. He sent him for the whole world. 
and said, okay, who's going, who's going to make the choice? It's all about choice. Amen? Amen. So what we want to do is we want to always, always say, what do you choose for me to do in this situation? I understand my limitations. I understand who and what I am. You know that song we sing talk about covered by his grace. That is a very powerful song. It says no matter what I've done, you know, my shame is covered. And it was like, I, and I'm amazed that you still use me. Like I said, I was sick. I was sick. And I'm like, Lord, I am sick. And I was like, but I want to be well because I have something to do. Heal me. And he said, okay, we can get this done. We can get this done. And like I said, stupid, well, yes, stupid hamburger and french fries. But (laughs) we're still good. We're still good. Our example for this is King Hezekiah. We studied this last week with King Hezekiah. And King Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20, uh, 12 through 19, and this is in the message translation, Daryl, so um, you may not have it. But shortly after this, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, having heard that the king was sick, sent a get well card and a gift to Hezekiah. Hezekiah was pleased and showed the messengers around the palace, silver, gold, spices, aromatic oils, his stockpile of weapons, a guided tour of all his prized possessions. There wasn't a thing in his palace or kingdom that Hezekiah didn't show him. Hezekiah was proud. See what I got? I got stuff. See what I got? I got all this stuff, and I'm going to show you all that I have. You know, and it, it's funny, you know, sometimes, and I was talking to a friend of mine today, and she was talking about this television, this big television. She goes, I don't like, say, taking stuff into my house during the day, you know, because if people see what you're taking into your house, they might break into your house. And I thought about that, and I was like, you know what? That's a shame. That's a shame. But there are people who show everybody their stuff, and then when they get robbed, <laughs> you know, they like, they like, what happened here? So they go around towards you, everybody, this is what I got. And, you know, the thief comes to kill and to destroy and to take your stuff because he don't want you to have it. Amen? And that's what really happened here after this, you know, but we'll keep reading. And then Isaiah, the prophet, showed up, and just what was, and, and just what were, these men doing here where did they come from and why hezekiah said they came from far away from babylon and what did they see in your palace everything said hezekiah there isn't anything i didn't show them i gave them the grand tour and you can just hear it then isaiah spoke to hezekiah listen to what god has to say about this the day is coming when everything you own and everything your ancestors have passed down to you right down to the last cup and saucer will be cleaned out of here, plundered and packed off to Babylon. God's um, word. Worse yet, your sons, the progeny of sons you've forgotten, will end up as eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Okay. So there's that subtraction that Pastor talked about when, when, when you're out of, out of, you're not right with God. So pride has got Hezekiah twisted here. He's showing them all his stuff and saying, see what I got? We're not giving any glory to God. We just, you know, this is all my stuff. See, aren't I just all that? And I'm great. God goes, let me tell you what's going to happen. And this is what happens when we mix our faith with pride. God comes against it comes against it hezekiah and he says uh, hezekiah then if you look in this hezekiah said to isaiah if god says it 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 must be good but he was thinking to himself it won't happen during my lifetime i'll enjoy peace and security as long as i live i'm just thinking about me 
I don't care about my sons that are going to be eunuchs down the line. <laughs> I don't care that everything's going to be gone. I'm going to enjoy this while I live right now. It's all about self. It's all about me and my pride. We cannot mix pride with our faith because it doesn't then resemble faith. And God does not recognize it as such and will not respond to it. When we mix things with our God kind of faith, that are spiritually incompatible, we wind up with faith that God does not recognize and it will not be acknowledged or blessed. God cannot acknowledge it because his character is unchangeable. Not for you, not for me, and you know, you all know I think I'm the favorite. You know, I think I'm the favorite of everybody. He is not going to change it for me, and he's not going to change it for you. Amen? Amen. Glory be to God. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us so much that you, in your infinite wisdom, will give us words of understanding and words of knowledge and acknowledgement to understand how we need to come to you, that we need to believe of who you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. As we go from this place, oh, Father God, we thank you that your word will not return void. It will accomplish what you've set out for it to accomplish tonight in our hearts. So we look forward, oh, Father God, to what it will accomplish, the growth that will take place in each and every one of us, that we become more like you, Jesus, that we, oh, Father God, go to the world to show them that we are the children of the most high God in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.